This is a No Land in Sight podcast production. Welcome to Is That Movie Still Good? The podcast where we take a movie from the past, give it a thorough rewatching, and ask the question, is that movie still good? This week we're going to metaphorically go into the closet, grab out that Underwood typewriter, put some paper in it, and see if the ribbon is still wet. We've got a lot of typewriters this week as we look at 9 to 5, starring Dolly Parton, Lily Tomlin, and Jane Fonda. So, put on your high heels and let's get ready to go. 9 to 5, is that movie still good? Welcome back, friends. This is Is That Movie Still Good? Nate and I are here. We're ready to go. We just got a slice of pizza from our friends at The Post, and we're ready to record some fun tonight. Nate, you've got a little promo for us, don't you? Yeah, I just wanted to mention that tonight's show is sponsored by Consolidated Corporation, your place for all your consolidated corporate needs. They are consolidated now. And uh, they do have storage facilities all over town, including Ajax Warehouse. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so if you guys don't know, Consolidated Corporation was the uh, the, the company in 9 to 5 where the ladies worked. So that's what we're doing tonight, 9 to 5, if you remember that one. Nate, do you remember watching that? Of course. I, 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 who, who doesn't remember watching it? I can't remember first first place I saw it, uh, movie theater, HBO, cable. But, I mean, I think everybody, like, watched this movie. And, and funny thing about – and I haven't seen it for a really long time. Either. I haven't either. And when I rewatched it, I was kind of shocked by how forward thinking it was and not in the obvious, you know, women in the workplace stature, but just kind of the different topics that they would come up with and different like things and words that they would use and sayings, you know, it was very um, progressive. Um, so it was probably one of those movies that the parents thought it was okay for the kids to watch, but then it might've been one of those to where maybe the jokes because as a seven, eight-year-old, I wouldn't have known what pot was. Right, you right. Know? And of course, there's a lot of pot references in this movie. And there's, you know, obviously the sexual innuendos as well. Mm-hmm. So it's almost kind of like, is it like a, a, um, a before there were the animated movies that the parents go to now that have all the right, undertone right. jokes? The, the, under, the layering of the jokes. Right. right. For, for the adults that the kids won't get was this kind of, you know, that type of movie pre-animation where, like, the parents would get a certain level of jokes and the kids just, like, thought it was, like, funny because of, like, the different scenes. Yeah, I think that's possible. I don't think it was intentional. Um, I do remember this movie. I remember it being out, and I remember it being kind of a phenomenon. And I said 1981 a minute ago. It's actually 1980. December um, 19th. It was actually a Christmas release. Yeah, and uh, I, I said 81 because I looked at some Oscar stuff, which we'll get to a little bit later on. Um, but I remember it coming out, and we're coming 1980. We're fresh off of the 70s with the women's lib movement, and this was a big movie amongst adults, amongst women, even men. It was a funny movie, and it was a cultural phenomenon. And I didn't go see it in the theater, but I do remember watching it on, uh, I think, one of those free HBO weekends that we talked about yeah. you know, earlier. Yeah. And uh, I and we'll get to the pot sequence later, but that had a real impact on me too. Well, and you know the genesis of this movie. Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of people think this is a Dolly Parton movie, even though there's a lot of you know good stars in it. But really, it was Jane Fonda's idea, right? You know, That's she had right. A, she had a really close friend and an old friend that had just started a business that helped women reenter the workforce after divorces, or you know maybe they were widows. And she heard about this business, and she kind of got fascinated by the concept and learned more and looked more into it. And she was like, "Hey, I, I, I kind of want to make a movie like this." Mm-hmm. She had just started her own production company. And, you know, originally it was supposed to be a drama. Right. And then even Jane Fonda, who, you know, has some, you know, political history. Right. um, She even said, hey, let's tone it down and turn it into a comedy. 
because it's like I don't want to be, you know, on my soapbox, mm-hmm. you know, preaching to people about, you know, this topic. But there is some comedy in it. And, you know, ultimately it would be fun to make a movie that shows that, you know, the boss isn't the most important person at the workplace. It's actually the people that support him, the secretaries that are the most important people. Right, right. And the boss isn't the guy with the good ideas. Like everybody's got good ideas and sometimes we've got to listen to to people. Um, We we just need to listen to ideas. And so I think think you're right. And I think that uh, the idea of of switching this to a comedy was a home run. And and I agree with you in rewatching it. It, it was kind of amazing to me how well it held up. Well, and I'm going to throw a few stats out there that usually we save for the end, but you know, just to kind of make things a little bit different here, uh, for those of you that take take notes and, and study what we talk about in this podcast. Right, as well you should. You'll be tested at the end of the season. You will, actually, next episode, I believe. Correct. Yes. But anyway, this movie was made for $10 million and it made 103 at the box office. It was it was a killer. Tim I mean, yeah. is this our biggest like return yet? It might be. Yeah, I think it might uh, be. Our biggest actually. ROI yet yeah. that we talked about this year? Yeah. We've talked about a lot of great movies. Tim Xer. Ten time return on the movie, and you know they it spawned a TV show, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 obviously, I mean, what is the most iconic part about this movie? The song, of course, it is. Of so the song is. is so the song is amazing. So uh, Dolly Parton, when she signed on to do this film, part of the deal was, and she did this with every movie after this one, starting with this and going forward, except she, Steel Magnolias. Right, except Steel Magnolias. Yeah was that she would write and sing the theme song. Yeah. And she did it on every one of them, and she came in and hot. And the song is fantastic. And My um, 14-year-old daughter knows all the lyrics. Yes. And it, it, it went to number one on Billboard for like two weeks. Uh, this song was, so in, in 1981, this song hit number one. It was Dolly's first number one. She first went to number one on the country chart. Then she went to number one on the Billboard pop chart and then like an adult contemporary chart or something like that. So three different charts with a number one for this song. And then at the end of the year, this song was number nine on Billboard's Hot 100 for 1981. Yeah. And the the great thing about this song, too, and I mean, the funny thing is I'm just as familiar with this song as I am with some of the other songs. And, of course, last episode we did Rocky Three, Right. And I and I was so excited and I couldn't get over about how the beginning of the movie with the Rocky theme and I was just immediately sucked in. I was so fired up for the movie. It was kind of the same way here because as soon as that bass riff started on 9 to 5. Right, right. You, I don't know. You do it. You're the musician. Well, yeah. There's a... All right. We'll add that later. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll so, later. Anyway, yeah. But, I mean, I was like immediately just sucked, sucked right in, in by yeah. the song. It, and it's, it's a great montage. We talked about montages last week. And there's a montage of people going to work. And, you know, they're stressed. And there's a lady who's spilling her coffee while she's trying to get to work. And it, it's just a perfect montage for what's getting ready to happen with this movie. Um, now, I have a quick question, though, before we start getting into the plot. Uh, my mom... Mm-hmm. You know, was a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, I was probably about seven years old or so when this movie was made. My brother was about nine. Now, the, about a year or two later, because she, she had our youngest uh, sister, like at 81. But right after that, she went back to college and she entered the, re-entered the workforce. So she was like another year or two after this, but like kind of did the same thing. It would uh-huh. be interesting... You know, to find out, hey, did this movie motivate you at all right. to, to, to do that? I, I wonder about that, too. And I also suspect that it was as much that, but it was, it was um, I think it was probably fairly indicative of the times of what was really going on. So there was there was a lot of truth to it and then a lot of motivation to it. I want to go back to the song for just a minute because okay. there's the, um, you hear the typewriter in the song, in the theme mm-hmm. song. You hear the typewriter. You know what that is. 
It's Dolly Parton's nails. She's, yeah. she's, she she clicked her nails, and that's how she made the sound yeah. for that. Like she's she's awesome. And and and, and this is an, an you know this is her like you said it's her first time getting into the movies. This is the first movie she ever made. And and there's a funny story that when she got to production, she had actually memorized pretty much all, if not all, of the lines for every character everybody. in the movie. She knew everybody's line in the movie. And, and and at one point, she got really confused at the way they were filming. And Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda, they all kind of yes. like cracked up because Dolly Parton actually thought that they yes. filmed the movie yes. in sequential in, order, in perfect sequence, and <laughs> they didn't chop it. And yeah, yeah. They, she she and they just laughed at her out loud because yeah. she thought. Well, we opened the first scene, then we filmed the second scene. No, no. Yeah. That's not. I mean, it's, it's, it, not, it's, not, it's just not precious. Yeah, it is precious. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. Uh, it's that's going to tie into a, a question that I have that we'll get into a little bit later in this. But I've got a really sort of left field question about Dolly coming up. Okay, well, well let's kind of get a little bit more into it. You talk about the opening montage. And, you know, Jane Fonda, you know, she kind of starts out, and she's actually really homely in this movie, you know. She is. She's been in tons of movies since then. She's like Hollywood royalty, beautiful woman. She's got two Oscars. She's got, yeah. I mean, well, I want to get back to that because I have a whole topic about, like, the award winners in this movie. Yes. It's It's, it's, it's actually much more. It's kind of amazing. It's kind of very, very amazing. Yes. In an interesting connection that that I'm going to add to that. But, um, But in this movie, Jane Fonda is about as homely as you can be. Right. Uh, she recently divorced. Her husband left her for the secretary. Wait a minute. So she's not as homely as you can be. She's as homely as Jane Fonda can be. That's true. Like we could put Talia Shire in here and be more homely. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> that is true. But uh, so she's starting her first day at her first job ever now as a divorcee. And uh, I love the word divorcee, by divorcee? the way. We don't use that enough. Is, that, is it divorcee word. or divorcee? I, I, I'll take either one, but divo- I love it. Divo- How was the French way of saying it? Oh, divorcee. Divorcee. <laughs> Glad to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but anyway, uh, they go to the office, and the first thing you notice is no computers. Right. Oh, it's, I, I, it's crazy. It's typewriters, and it's remember those cradles for the phone. Oh, yeah. Like, like, well, I actually Googled to try to find out what those things were called, and they were called shoulder rests. I was ex- expecting something a little bit more exciting than that. Fancy but, technical name. But, but here's the interesting thing: they still have shoulder rests, but they're more the kind of the padded ones that are yeah. kind of more futuristic, more or- ergonomic. Well, I don't know. I actually think the hook that goes over your shoulder. Yeah. Might be a little bit more ergonomic Maybe. because it, it seems like it's a little firmer wrapped around as opposed to just like a little like phone shoulder pillow. We should totally do a test on that, do video, and then and then drop that. Yeah, we will. We'll, we'll get us a focus. Season group. two. Um, so they, she gets into the office, and so Judy, that, that's the the name, uh, Jane Fonda, and uh, we immediately meet Mister Hart, Mister mm-hmm. yes. Hart, who's the boss. And I didn't write it down, but like the whole, sh- obviously he's a chauvinist. Everybody knows that. But there's actually like a catchphrase chauvinist thing. Did you, where they actually use it to market the movie later on? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. And, um, and he's played by Dabney Coleman. Do you ever get Dabney Coleman and Harry Cor- uh, Harvey Corman confused? I never did, but I can totally see that. Did you ever think Dabney Coleman's first name was Daphne? Because I thought that when I was a kid. Yeah, he's an interesting fella. Do you think he's had that bald spot since his twenties? Probably. Yeah, in the Probably. mustache. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally bald spot stash. It was. It was all. Uh, uh, you know, just for men. Whatever they had in nineteen eighty, <laughs> making it good and dark. And uh, he's made a career of being a smarmy character, but really a good actor and an entertaining guy to watch on screen. I oh, think. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, and you know, he's won an Emmy. 
We'll get back yes. to the we'll get back to the ladies later, but yeah. it's he won for Buff- for Buffalo Bill. Yeah, even he's won an Emmy. And oh, it, no, it wasn't Buffalo Bill. It was Sla- uh, uh, Slap Maxwell. I'm sorry, okay. he was in yeah. Buffalo Bill, but he won for Slap Maxwell. And he also has a Golden Globe. Yes, you know, um, you know, he was in North Dallas Forty mm-hmm. and Tootsie. Tootsie, and and we'll get back yeah. to some of the other movies later that where you see a lot of connections that come back. This is one of those movies where these people end up working together a lot. Yeah, um, and, and, yeah, he was in War Games. He was in Cloak and Dagger. Yeah. he was in. Hot to Trot with Bobcat Goldthwait. Uh, well, you know, Bobcat, he was a fine actor. Yes. He, he, I think he's won lots of awards. <laughs> yes, he has. Yes. But uh, so so we at, at this point, we get introduced to uh, Willie Tomlin's character, Violet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and she's, she's kind of the, like, right-hand type person, right? Right, right. Which is kind of weird because... Uh, Mr. Hart, he has an executive assistant or executive yes, secretary, yes. but then Willie Tomlin's kind of in charge of all the other secretaries. She, yeah, she, he has this executive assistant who is kind of like the uh, the the overlord of the office. But Lily Tomlin is the the nuts and bolts, the one who gets things done. Like when he needs something to happen, it's going to happen. She's the one that's going to get his coffee. She's the one who's going to um, go buy the gift for his wife, yeah, or go buy, the, go scarf. buy the, the scarf for yeah. not his wife, whatever. Right. And then, and then we meet Dolly. So Dolly Parton plays Dora Lee. Dora Lee. And, and she wears a sweet necklace that says Dora Lee. The whole it does. movie is... It does. I, I need a necklace that says Nate. Yeah. And you need one that says <laughs> Jim. Yeah. And then when we start selling merchandise season two, we'll have a necklace that says, is that movie still good? That's right. That's right. Because people have been asking for the merchandise. Everybody wants a necklace. They want they want a necklace and a koozie. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and, a, and a candle. <laughs> I don't know what that's. I don't know where that came from. All right, so but anyway, so we we're already starting to see Mr. Hart be a complete chauvinist pig. You know, like we said, he made Victoria go out and buy a scarf for his wife that he ends up giving to somebody else. And he's talking to Dolly Parton and uh, talking to Dora Lee, and they're like kind of joking back and forth, and you almost seem like they're flirting. And you find mm-hmm. out that she's not all that interested in him to the extent that he actually invited her to a convention, right? Where there was actually that did not exist. There's actually not even a convention there. Just invited her to come out of town, and oh, there's no convention, right? And so the the you know uh, Dora Lee is also starting to realize she's not real popular in the office. None of the other people really like her, but she doesn't know why yet, right? And the the office gossip is that you know. Dora Lee and Mr. Hart, they got a little they got a little something going on. Yeah. And he actually that's who he gives the scarf to. Yes. That's right. actually who he gives the scarf to. And then um, then we flash back to uh, to Judy, to to Jane Fonda's character, and this is great because uh, Lily Tomlin takes her into the Xerox room, the mm-hmm. copier room, which I think might be bigger than my house. It's massive. <laughs> and the machine is like three times bigger than my car. Mm-hmm. And it's got all the collating and filing, like, lines set up. And, of course, you know, her first day on the job, she can't handle the machine. It's very, very I Love Lucy. It, that, yeah. That's exactly what it reminded me of watching it this yeah. time. It's a total... Like the chocolate Yes, episode. yes. It's a total I Love Lucy reference. And there's some several really good comedic references that this film draws upon. But that's the first one that we get. Yeah. And, 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 and we're kind of just kind of figuring out how, like, all these... You know, this office operates. You know, you have, uh, as we kind of mentioned, you have the sexist boss. You have the right-hand person that, you know, he treats well. You have the person that's rumored to have the affair. You got the new girl. You got the drunk person. You got the mm-hmm. secretary that's kind of a spy. So we're kind of getting this kind of office dynamic right, built right. up. And, 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 and if you think about it for a second, I mean, there's been lots of movies about the, the office ecosystem. Mm-hmm. 
And and not that I want to get into how this one ranks against others because I really didn't research that all that much. Nor did I. But do you think it tells a semi-true and maybe even fully true tale of what office life was back in the early 80s? I do. I, I totally do. And And here's what I think. And my question to you would be, how did you feel when you watched this movie? And you know, we both work in the corporate world and diff- doing different things. And um, I was watching this with my girlfriend, who also was in the corporate world. And uh, we both were kind of like, "This movie's giving us a little bit of trigger, right? Like, it, there's still there's a little bit of it that just rings a little too true with um, some of the stuff that goes on." Yeah, and, and you know, I think it's different for everybody in different companies. You know, ironically, I probably spent seventy five percent of my career actually working for females, right? You know, so uh, you know, I, I, I fortunately haven't been terribly exposed. To, and I, I've worked for a pretty good company with good ethics, and so I haven't been exposed to this all that much. But I do know people in maybe smaller companies or you know, maybe working in a, a certain division of a company where this definitely did exist. Right. And, and for me, like it wasn't the sexism. It was just kind of the, the mentality of the boss and the, the mindset of the boss or the company mindset. And I think, it's, I think, it, I think if you work corporately at all, there are pieces of this that are going to ring really, really true to you. Well, even in 2019. Well, sure. And, and, and the next scene, I think, hits on that really well, because what happens in the next scene is Violet actually gives Mr. Hart or brings back up, hey, did you ever look at this idea that I came up with to color code the file system right. and all this kind of stuff? And Mr. Hart pretty much like blows her off. Mm-hmm. But then the next scene, his boss is in the room and he all of a sudden is bringing that idea up, taking 100 percent the credit, That's not right. giving Violet any credit for it at all. That's right. And, and so I think you're right that, you know, you kind of still maybe see some of that here and there. Yeah. And I do think that we've come a long way. Like, just quickly to get into corporate politics, I do think that we are at a place now where workers are valued more. And I do think that, that it's more acceptable to say, like, well, look at, look at this is an idea that Violet had. And then not only is Violet going to be rewarded, but also you're going to be rewarded by being a trainer and being a mentor. So we've come an awful long way from that. So, I, I, it's, well, it's much more collaborative now. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's it's more about, like, the team. It's more about, you know, doing what's right. Yes. And I know there's still a lot of people out there that think that, like, they're the corp- evil corporations and all they care about is the bottom dollar and CEOs are paid way too much and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that, that does exist here and there. As I've always said, there's bad people everywhere. But I think for the most part, just from like a cultural standpoint, you know, I think there's a, a bigger effort to collaborate, to work with other people, to cross, you know, everything from gender to age to, um, you know, different demographics sure. to because you want all those different perspectives. Yeah. Like we've learned that diversity is better. I think we have. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is a good thing. And, and one other part of kind of the, that kind of keeps building this and, um, you know, and, and we're going to skip ahead and then come back to something is, you know, one of the things that kind of stirs the pot is Violet's been up for this big promotion that she keeps mm-hmm. talking about. Right. And she thinks she's supposed to get it. Matter of fact, she's at home talking to her son about it while they're installing a new garage door mm-hmm. opener. Yes. And it's and she's real stressed out about it and she's not sure what's going to happen. And this is funny because this is one of those things I would have never captured when I was seven years old and, and not seen it, you know, essentially since then. All of a sudden, the son, who's like a teenager, is like, Mom, you need to chill out. Like, Let me roll you a joint. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, I can't even imagine if that had happened at my house. There's two, two things about that scene I can't imagine. 
Number one, and I love my mother dearly, but her installing a garage door opener by herself would have been crazy train. Like I remember, well, my the, dad wouldn't have been able to do that. The first garage door I don't opener. Even if I could establish uh, the first garage, garage door opener. opener that ever got installed in my house when I was a kid, my dad and my uncle put it together, and it took all day, and there was much much uh, profanity involved. Um, so that well, was, and I was told never to do it, especially if you're taking out an old one because of the tension. Yeah, if you like, oh, yeah. the wrong way, they can like take an arm off. Yeah, if I, they I, pop. I had a problem with mine, and, and I read that, and then I went ahead and fixed it anyway, and I still have my arms. But whatever. Um, but yeah, anyway, so like the idea of putting up a garage door by yourself, gender irrelevant, yeah. uh, is a big thing. And then a teenage you're coming to mom and saying, uh, "You just need some pot. You need to chill out. I'm going to roll you a, a dube, and and you'll be better." Like, I would have gotten sent to military school if that had happened. Well, and the best thing is the way she, uh, she responds to it, yeah. which is, hide it in my purse. Yeah, put it in my purse. <laughs> first she's like, no, nah, and then she's like, just put it in my purse. Hide it in my purse. Yeah. Hide it in yeah. my purse. Uh, and then we get back to the office, and here we and we have Mr. Hart again, actually spreading the rumors about his affair with Dolly. And that's when uh, she actually finds out and realizes, and that, that's why nobody really likes her. And this is actually a funny line because I actually wrote this down, but when I was researching it, people kept bringing this line up again. And and, and, and this is funny, too, because, and, I, and I'll explain it here after I, I state this line, about how well this movie plot builds. Mm-hmm. And we've ripped on a lot of plots over the course of this right, season, but right. I think this movie, especially for a comedy, does an excellent job at plot building. Uh, without being like overt about it, right? But but Dolly says something to him. You know, Dora Lee says something like, "You know, I hey, you know, I have a gun, and you know, with one shot, I'll change it from a rooster to a hen, yes, or yes. something like that." And 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 here's what's funny about that is because not only does the gun come into major play later in the movie, right? The joint comes into mm-hmm. major play later in the movie, and of course, the the way these women are being treated come in. So it's it's just a very kind of subtle build up and they're dropping kind of little things into the movie here and there that are going to be, you know, major plot lines later or That's something right. that will like be a, a lever for a plot line later on in the movie. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 you know, the person that wrote this, um, you know, this guy named uh, Colin Higgins. Well, first it was, it was written by Patricia Resnick, who was, a, I think she was a friend of Jane Fonda and she kind of wrote that initial screenplay mm-hmm. uh, based on what I mentioned earlier, Jane Fonda having a friend and then, uh, and then uh, Colin Higgins took the screenplay, wrote it out a little bit more, polished it up. But then he also directed the movie, right? And and there, um, and there were talks of a sequel, but Colin Higgins he, he died. died. So he died in nineteen eighty eight. So he was out. So yeah, and, and, and I, I'm obviously poor one out. Yeah, um, and uh, he, he and, you know he he was a writer on Harold and Maude. He wrote and directed Foul Play. Yes, that's right. Which you know will be in season two. Yes, we discussed insist. it. It's yeah, foul play is coming in season two. Foul play is coming in season two. So he he had good involvement in a lot of different movies, and it's really a shame mm-hmm. that he died in 1988. But and I don't want to be cold about this, but think how many directors and writers we've talked about that had about three or four good movies and then never did much more. No, that's exactly right. This is a standalone piece. It's fantastic, and I think if we had. Nine to five two or nine to nine the sequel like it, it probably diminishes something of the value of what we have here. Well, and they 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 are still actually talking about a sequel. Yeah, and uh, and all three main female characters are are you know not I'm not going to say they're committed, but they're talking about doing it. But they might actually call it twenty four seven. Okay, because okay. the new modern workplace. Right, so right. so what you're going to see in twenty four seven is a bunch of people getting like you know. 
phone calls at 2 in the morning, and I think uh, Lily Tomlin's character is going to be in charge of everything. And so they might try to remix this um, uh, chemistry mm-hmm. uh, into the modern workplace. Right. Um, will it work? I don't know. I, I don't mean, know. The Expendables was kind of fun. Expendables was fun. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. So with that said, I, I think let's just go ahead and get this out of the way right now because it's not going to be very exciting. Um, if you need to use the restroom, if you need to like you know email your mom back or skip text, thirty seconds ahead, whatever you need to do, whatever you need to do. But we have to get it out of the way. So um, uh, Max Katie tournament's coming up next week. Yeah, this, in the this, season finale, this movie does not get an automatic bid to the tournament. I think no. I mean, I mean, really, is there anyone even really to discuss? Nope. I mean, really, nobody. Nobody. Maybe Mister Tinsworthy in his younger days. Yeah, he he maybe maybe, maybe. we don't but we don't know so yeah, we, we can't yeah. put that in. I mean, so. I mean the 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 women do some interesting things to Mister Hart, which we're getting ready to discuss. But I don't think any of those things would have slowed Max Katie down. Nobody in this movie is hanging with Katie and chains and pipes. No, just done. No, no. So let, let, let's just go ahead and move on from that then. Um, but know that when we get to the season finale next week, Sweet Sixteen tournament, yeah. Max Katie and I don't. I, he will be number one seed, right? But I cannot guarantee a win. That's correct. Like, we've got some viable challengers in this one. Yeah, and, and it'll help you guys prepare for your March Madness bracket, so it'll get you in the, get you in the <laughs> midst of that. That's right, that's right. If you guys want to gamble on it, do it. Like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, like, go ahead. Uh, we'll, we're not going to play the house, but feel free to entertain yourself. So, the, the movie continues on. They're all upset at heart for, for a various, you know, a variety of different reasons and that we've already talked about. So they all decide to go out and get drunk at Charlie's. Right, right. Char- Charlie's actually Charlie's. comes up two or three times. Mm-hmm. Charlie's the bar. And so they, you know, because now they realize that Dora Lee's really not having an affair. And I love, by the way, when they go to Charlie's, I love that they're all three drinking different drinks. Like one of them's got a beer and one's got a margarita and one's got something that looked like a milk drink. I guess it was a white Russian. I don't know. But- I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what the popular cocktails in the early 80s were. No. I, I, I was a little too young to drink back then. Nobody was drinking bourbon. That's disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, where, where was this movie located? I don't know. I assumed New York, but I'm not sure about that. Huh. Interesting. I know it was filmed in California, obviously. Right. You know, the, the the house that Hart lives in that that, that we see later is some Yeah, it does look, it does look California, house. but the city scenes look more New York. But yeah. It could be L.A. I'm not sure. Well, and maybe, you know, hey, setting doesn't matter. Not, not There's so one. many other things going on in the plot. But anyway, the, the women go and they get drunk at the bar. And they're, you know, talking about, you know, how much they hate Mr. Hart and all that kind of stuff and how terrible the work environment is. And then Violet remembers something crucial. Yep. She's got that fatty in her purse. Yeah. She, so she's like, hey, let's go into the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I don't know about that. Right. So they decide to go back to Dora Lee's place because mm-hmm. her husband's doing something. He's not there. And he's a musician. I think he's out at a gig. Yeah, oh, that's right. He is. He's out of the gig. So they go back to Dora Lee's place and, and decide to get stoned, which is actually hilarious. Yes. This is, of this film, where there are so many great scenes, this is the iconic scene of this film. These three just getting blazed and then uh, going down their own rabbit holes of what they would do to Mr. Hart, uh, you know, should they have the opportunity and there were no consequences. And this movie... Well, you know what's funny, though, before we get into that? Yeah. Do you remember what uh, Lily Tomlin, when they when they started, like, smoking the doob, um, and she told them what they're, they're like, is this, what's this called? Or, like, what, you know, what strand is this? They didn't use that right, word. Right. But I thought it was funny. Do you remember what she said it was? No. Maui Wowie. Oh, yeah, yeah, Maui <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so, like, this movie, as a kid watching this as, like, a 10-year-old, 
I was I, I was terrified of pot for a minute. Like it was awesome, and I, but I should have been like, this is amazing. But like you go down this this rabbit hole and you have these hallucinations and. Um, so like maybe as a, as a drug deterrent, it was pretty good for me in the, in the moment. Well, it did lead to the, uh, the, uh, Nancy Reagan, just say no. That's right. That's maybe right. this movie was part of that. Could you know? be. Yeah. Who knows? But the first scene, the first one. So I think Judy goes first on the fantasy scenes. Uh, is it Judy or Dorley? Is it, I think Judy goes first Judy goes because first. they do the, the kind of the shoot up, oh, like kind right, of gangster right. thing. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's Judy first as the big game hunter. Yeah, because I, she's she because Judy is really upset that he's got a deer head mounted in his office, right. and so she's disgusted by this. Right, and so so it's kind of the hunting and trying to get him, and then. Of course, Dolly's fantasy scene is her being a country western. Country girl. western. She, and it, she lassos, lassos him. Hog ties him on the ground, and 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 they brought Dolly into this movie. Uh, Jane Fonda, Lily Tom, they brought her in because they wanted to bring this western sort of feel to it. And this was at a time when country music was infiltrating the pop charts, and there was there was a, a big the, the country western situation was was fairly big in this time. So bringing Dolly in kind of brought that feel to it. So she goes out and she's like. Chasing him down through the the great Texas prairie, lassos him, hog ties him, and you know takes care of him right there. And then we have uh, uh, Violet. We have Lily Tomlin coming, which is great. She's like Snow White, yes. dressed as Snow White. You got the Snow White music, and you got the cartoon animals. Cartoon animals. Now, now they're not exactly like Snow White because of you know copyright infringement. Right, right. Like it, it's it's based on Snow White, Bambi, and I think maybe uh, Robin Hood were the three that they based it off of. And they drew these animals similar, but not the same. But then I don't know if you noticed. Not just was it a Disney sort of a vibe, a, a Disney influence, but they also used some Looney Tune action there too. Yeah. Like she she pours some poison in his coffee and dip, then dips the spoon down and it sort of melts away. That's yeah. a Bugs Bunny. And then there's a point where he drinks the coffee and smoke shoots out his ears, just like a an Elmer Fudd Bugs Bunny situation. And so it, it draws into these um, cartoon comedies, you know, from our childhood. Yeah, and, and I mean it's just a really great scene. And, and when they're in between the scenes, they would cut back. To, to real time and every time you'd see them they would have remember the, like where you cut the construction paper out and you like wrap it in a circle and then you make a chain necklace yes, out of yes. it and, and, and every time they'd have like more and more of that on yeah. so you knew they were just getting blazed the whole time and they're, they're rolling around on the ground yeah. laughing at anything hysterically yeah. I mean it's a great 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 scene that that all three of them you know, just participated in right. so well. And, and, you know, I wondered, and I, I couldn't find any research on it, like, were they really high during the filming? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it wouldn't question. have been, you know, I mean, they, they did it during other movies. Sure, yeah. of course. But, I mean, it was just a really good scene. And once again, one of those scenes that if I'm watching this movie as an eight or nine-year-old, I wouldn't have caught anything. But the adults were probably cracking up. Yes, yes. Especially the adults who would sit around and blaze together. They were probably <laughs> right. like losing their minds about how yeah. funny that was. Oh my goodness, this isn't like a Hollywood movie. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, just like, you know, three working women, you know, getting blazed yeah. together after work one night because they had a bad day. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Hey, Beth, remember that time when we did that? That was so good. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, so, and the next morning they show back up at the office, and and everything's kind of back to normal, except for they're a little kind of droggy, of course, because they had partied the night before. Mm -hmm. And of course, Violet has to make Mister Hart's coffee because that's what she does. Mm -hmm. And she had been to the grocery store, and once again, it's one of these plot drops. She had talked about how she had to go to the grocery store and get you know this and that, and she had to get some rat poison. And you're like, why didn't she even bring that up? But then the next thing you know. The rat poison box looks just like the, what was it, sweet? Skinny and sweet. Skinny and sweet. And she accidentally puts the rat poison in his coffee. Yes. 
and then gets delivered to him. And the next thing you know, he's fallen back in his chair. And she realizes. She runs in there and freaks out because she's like, oh, my God, I put rat poison in Mr. Hart's coffee. So she goes running into his office, and he's sprawled out on the floor. Yeah. And, of course, you know, boom, we got to take him to the hospital. Hospital, And so there's this kind of panic moment. And I think Adore Lee goes with him to the hospital, right? Yeah. And then uh, Judy gets... Lloyd Tomlin's character, and then they go to the hospital, and then this just crazy, hilarious, like, next scene ensues. High jinks ensue. High jinks ensue. And, and it's, and you know, when you look at watching comedy movies, they always have, like, scenes like this where, like, you know, it's a 20-minute kind of scene, and nine times out of ten in comedies, they're okay. This one, I think, landed really well. I agree with that. I totally agree. And and, I, and it was right kind of in the middle of the movie, mm-hmm. and it was, and it, and it's, and it, and it connects kind of what's been happening in the first half of the movie as far as the ladies being oppressed by their chauvinist pig boss and then what's going to happen in the second half of the movie Mm -hmm. which we'll get to here in a moment but they get to the hospital and they overhear doctors talking about you know you know what what, he's dead and who did this and we've got to find the culprit that was involved in this and so, of course, you know, it, it, a classic comic trope, right? You see or overhear something and think it's one thing when, in fact, it's not. Well, and, and before we get into what happens next, I think we there's a little shout-out here. We've talked about this multiple times during our first season, and no way are we endorsing this type of behavior whatsoever, but a classic 1980s movie because there's another dead body that comes in or another body that comes in that uh-huh. they're trying to save, and he ends up being like a police witness. And so while he's in the ER, along with Dabney Coleman, Mr. Hart's in the ER, the cop that came in with that body is standing in the hallway of the hospital. Yes. Literally a foot away from the door that says ER, Mm -hmm. lights up a cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) In the hospital. Yep. Yep. So, you know, I guess you could pretty much smoke anywhere back then. You could smoke in the ER, you could smoke on a spaceship. Airplanes, whatever you wanted wanted to. But... To Jim's point, they they get kind of confused on what's happening and don't realize that, that Mr. Hart's actually fine. He just fell and bumped his head, never really drunk. He never drink. took a sip of his coffee. Right. But then they're overhearing everything about this police witness and then how he finally dies. Mm-hmm. And, and and Lily Tomlin is is like, oh, what are we going to do? Right. I, and- I killed him. And she kind of goes in a little bit of a panic mode, a little overboard. A little. But, but still, she's going to okay. take matters into her own hands. Uh, yeah. And so she decides she's going to steal the body. Why steal would you the not? Corpse. Why would you not? And and stealing corpses, it's you know, it's been done before. It has, but they do it pretty well. They do, and it's really funny when she's wheeling the corpse down the hall, and she gets stopped by a candy striper asking where you're going, and she's talking about going to the morgue, and it's in the wrong direction or something. And at some point, she just pulls the trump cards, like, "Look at me, I'm a doctor." Why, okay. why am I even talking to you? Why am I talking? <laughs> why am I even talking to you? <laughs> is she, is she... It, it, it is a boss move. <laughs> yeah, and, and they get and she finally gets the body out to the car, puts it in the trunk, and uh, what kind of car did she have? Like a oh Chevelle? my gosh, I don't, I don't yeah, know. it was it was something yeah, like, like that. Yeah, you know, I mean, a car that probably like you know somebody would love to drive around right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, pull, and then the the other two ladies jump into the car and they take off and they're speeding away and they're you know trying to figure out and they're all panicking. Oh, don't panic. Oh, I panic. Don't panic. Don't panic. And then, like, all of a sudden, they get into a wreck. Yes. And, like, hit, like, a dumpster or something. Mm-hmm. 
And they get out, and the fender's bent. And this is funny because they actually try to bend the fender back out over the wheel. Did right. you ever do that before? No. I mean, I, I actually I know. have done that before. Yeah, okay. But you couldn't do that with a modern car. No. It's, it's just not made the same. Right. But on the old metal cars, you, you could, could actually pop it get back. in there and pop it back up. But they, they couldn't. And so Violet sends uh, uh, Dora Lee. She's like, hey, go back to the truck and get the crowbar so we can pop this out. Mm-hmm. And, and Dora Lee goes back and she opens a truck. And Dora Lee, Dolly is so cool there mm-hmm. in the scene. It's like she's almost like comically cool and like once a, once again just cute and precious Dolly Parton. Yes. And and because this was pre-Tarantino, we don't get a view from inside the trunk. We get it from, from right, inside. Right, exactly. Yeah, there's only like two cameras going in this whole scene. Right, right. And, and she is fishing around for the crowbar and moves the body around and like realizes it's not Mr. Hart. She sees a toe tag. Yeah. I, 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 I thought she saw the oh, face. Oh, she face. Maybe it wasn't. I, yeah, yeah. No, I could be wrong. No, we, I can't you know what? If we had the camera inside the truck, we'd really Correct. know. It may have been the face. She realizes it's not him, regardless. Right. And and she doesn't panic, doesn't do anything. First, she's like, hey, I can't do a, I can't do a Dolly voice. So I can't I'm gonna try. No, I'm, I'm but she's like, hey, Judy, come back here for a second. Judy comes back, and she's like, well, you know, look, look at look it. Look at this. Look at this. And then she's That's like, not Mr. Hart. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I was going to try to do it, and I just, I just embarrassed myself. Um, maybe I'll do it later. But uh, um, then she calls Violet back, and they realize they got the wrong the wrong dude. Wrong dude. Now, is this now? Now the cop hasn't pulled him over yet. It's on the way back to the hospital. That's right. So they they decide that oh, let's take the corpse back. Hey, we'll just turn him in. We'll just turn the corpse It'll in. It'll be all right. Nobody will notice. I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. And on the way back, they get pulled over by a motorcycle cop who comes up and, you know, you know, license registration, all that type of stuff. And, you know, what's the Lily Tomlin's like? What's the problem? I wasn't speeding. And, of course, there's a problem with the lights in the truck. Right, because they've run into a dumpster. And they ran into the front part of their car, but somehow the back's messed up. Right. But they have to get into the front. And Lily Tomlin, once again, does that doctor thing again. Right. So, we're like, we're, I'm rushing these ladies to the hospital, and which one is sick? And they both are like, I am. She is. You know, that whole bit. And then and then, and then, then once again, we get the poison that comes back out again. Because yes. it's like, oh, they took the poison. And once again, it's just kind of like using these elements and these props within the plot that, that kind of keep the plot going in a very subtle way. I mean, it's, it's actually really good writing. Um, uh, by by Colin Higgins, and they finally get back to the hospital. They drop the corpse off. They think everything's fine. They get into work the next day, and we kind of get into Act Three. Mm-hmm. And maybe we should pause for a second before we get into Act Three, and and maybe talk about you know some other elements of this movie. Yeah. So, do you want to start with the actresses? Is that should we go there? Let's go there because I think it's fascinating. I think this has a fascinating cast. Yeah, the, the cast on this is fantastic. Which one do you want to start with? Well, let me start it with, let me frame it first. Okay. All right. And I think everybody knows what an EGOT is. Yeah. Yes. All right. You you won an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony, which I think there's only 15 people that have ever done it. Not a lot. Not a lot. Very hard to do. So which one of the three do you think is closest to an EGOT? I would guess Jane Fonda, but it's probably Dolly. Um, You were wrong on both. It's Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin has an Emmy. A Tony and a Grammy. Okay. Now, now her Tony was honorary, so does that count towards an EGOT? I'll allow it. I mean, she's got the trophy on I'll her shelf. I'll allow it, yeah. yeah all right. it. She's got all three. So, so Lily Tomlin, all of these actresses were at a different place in their career, mm-hmm. but yet at the at a very pinnacle. I think that's right. Part of their career. Lily Tomlin, 
She had been uh, nominated for Oscars and Golden Globes for Nashville in 75. Nashville 75, 75 that's right. And then more for The Late Night back in, in 77. And then after 9 to 5, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier Incredible Shrinking Woman. Right. And All then, of Me. That was a great All movie. of Me, which she got more nominations for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what else you got on Lily Tomlin? She she so my recollection of Lily Tomlin was all of the kid stuff she did because she did massive amounts of kid stuff. She was on Captain Kangaroo. She was on Sesame Street. She was on The Electric Company. Another Muppet was, Show. In Muppet Show. I mean, yes. Muppet Show. Yeah. So I mean, she now. was on. She was doing that Edith Ann character that was funny to adults and kids alike. And um, later in life, in the late '90s, she was on Magic School Bus. So she's done a ton of work for kid shows. That are you know enriching for children. So she that that was my first exposure to Lily Tomlin, and then getting into it and realizing that she's actually really funny and she's got great acting chops. She's a she's a pretty fascinating actress. Well, and yeah, and I I think she's been known more for her comedy over the years, and she's a great comedian. But I and I'm not going to go as far as to say great drama. I don't know it well enough. But I mean, but just a good actress, whether yes. she's being funny or being serious or whatever, it's like she just is a really good actress. Yes. And and so, you know, we have Lily Tomlin, and then you mentioned Jane Fonda. Now, Jane Fonda, she has an Oscar and a Tony. So she's got two out of the four. Mm-hmm. She got two Oscars, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She won for Clute, Best Actress, and mm-hmm. she won for Coming Home, Supporting Actress. Yeah. And she 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 also won a Golden Globe for coming home. Yeah. Uh, did you ever see it? No. I have no idea what that was about. I have about. no idea. I've never I, seen it. I, I, I'm assuming somebody went away. <laughs> and they came back. <laughs> they came home. Yeah. Or, or no, no, no. They were going away, and now they are coming home. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, yes. we have to use the Not right home tips. yet, but they're working they're on coming. it. They're getting there. They're, they're on, on the way. journey. They're on the journey. Uh, I have no idea what that movie's about. Now, China Syndrome, she was mm-hmm. nominated for both, and that's 79. She's well, got five other nominations. She's won two and been nominated five other times. Well, Seven total nominations for Oscars. Well, I mean, she had been acting. By the time we get to the late 70s, she had been acting her whole life, right, obviously, right. Um, and had like a lot of recognition. But when I would look back at her movies from like the late 60s and early 70s, I didn't really recognize a lot of them. I didn't either. Like, everybody knows Barbarella. Of course. But... Can I give you a quick Uber story from last week? Have I sure. told you this story? No. I had a weird Uber ride home from dinner the other night, and uh, this guy is taking us home from dinner, and uh, he starts asking us if we're going to the clubs. And I don't know if any of you guys have ever looked at my photo, but I'm 46. I don't look like I'm going to the clubs. And uh, he's like, oh, you guys have to go to Club Barbarella. I'm like, oh, Barbarella, eh? He's like, yeah. DJ Glitter Tits is going to be there next week. All right. Just take me home. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, everybody knows Barbarella. Um, do you have a favorite uh, Jane Fonda movie? What is it? I, I, my favorite is Barefoot in the Park. I love oh, yeah, that yeah. movie. That's Neil Simon, right? Yes, yeah, yes. And yeah. it's her. He was in a, a question on. He was the final question on Jeopardy the other night. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I love that movie, and it's her and uh, who Redford is that right? And I think, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I love that movie. That's a great movie. Well, I mean, so she she was on a run, coming home seventy eight with an Oscar, China Syndrome seventy nine, mm-hmm. nine to five and eighty, and then eighty one. On Golden Pond yes. with, her, with her papa. Yep. yep. Yeah. And, and, of course, she did more stuff after that, too. Uh, and then we get to Dolly. Now, Dolly, you know, she has only won one of the four major EGOT awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'll give you one guess which one. Uh, that would be the Grammy, and she's won multiple of those. Uh, nine. Yeah. She's you know how many she's been nominated for? No. This is ridiculous. Literally a ridiculous number. Hit me. 46. I was, okay. Yeah, it, it's... Uh, <laughs> She's she's amazing. She isn't. Here's the thing about Dolly Parton, and she is so often recognized by her physical beauty and the way she looks, 
but she is a fantastic musician. And um, if you love music, you cannot discount her at all. Country, bluegrass, the story of her and Porter Wagner is just a beautiful story. The story of how she wrote I Will Always Love You, I'm not even going to go into that. But it's a long story, and it's a fascinating story about the writing of it and what it meant to her and Porter Wagner. Anyway, great story. She, well, she's fantastic. Well, and, and here's the thing. She's not that far off. Granted, she's only won a Grammy, and she has tons of them. Mm-hmm. But she's been nominated for two Oscars. Yes. She's been nominated for a Tony, and she's been nominated for an Emmy. Right. So, I mean, between these three women, I mean, loaded with hardware mm-hmm. and loaded with nominations. But here's a interesting tidbit I will throw out there. Okay. You know, they did a TV show based on 9 to yes. 5. and it was called 9 to 5, wasn't it? It was called 9 to 5, and it lasted five years Okay, back in the 80s. And I forget which character she played, but there was actually an EGOT winner that actually was one of these three ladies. Oh, really? Who was it? Rita Marino. Oh, Rita Marino. All right. So, you know, it's, it's just kind of fascinating, you know, that, uh, that uh, you know, you can kind of make these connections and, you know, broad talent across massive the board. Massive amounts of talent. Massive amounts of talent that are associated with this franchise. So I want to go two Dolly points before I get off this, uh, okay. before we move on. Um, first of all, I just want to go back to the song. And um, I just want to give you guys the songs that were nominated for the Oscar, right? Like, 9 to 5 was nominated. Um, Fame, from the movie Fame, was nominated in the ultimate winner. Out Here on My Own from Fame. On the Road Again, which was from Honeysuckle Rose. Uh, and a tune called People Alone from uh, The Competitor, which I don't know that that film. But that's a pretty good class. Fame, yeah. On the Road Again, and 9 to 5. Those are three solid songs. Yeah, well, and I, I had no idea until you just said that. I, I never knew On the Road Again was associated to a movie. Yeah, it was in Honeysuckle Rose. Yeah, yeah. and well, and very iconic. I mean, yeah. And yeah. Fame won. Fame one. Now, yeah. the Fame, did, did I hear you right? Fame actually had, had two, two songs? two songs in there, yes. Huh. Out Here on My Own and, and the lead track. Fame! Yeah, I'm going to live forever, baby. Of course. Yeah. yeah of course. Um, so the other thing from, from and this is the weird question that I have that I was, as I was watching this movie, and uh, because Dolly Parton is, we've referenced her as sweet and adorable and lovable, and we love Dolly Parton. And so at any point in her, I was thinking about, like, how was she not America's sweetheart in 1980? Or was she? And then I got to thinking about the chronology of who is America's sweetheart, right? Like, like, like it's a well. You have Sally Field, right? Well, so I, I so I, that's the, the person I thought about. Like, so let's go back to mid seventies, and we're going to start with Mary Tyler Moore, right? Who gave it to Sally Field? How long did Sally Field hold it? Did she hold it all the way through? Did Dolly have it for a minute? Because then I think it gets weird. Because I think like in nineteen eighty two, it's entirely possible that young Drew Barrymore from E. T. was America's sweetheart. Then things get wonky in eighty four because it's Mary Lou Retton is who is America's sweetheart. And then we get into the later eighties, and it's probably like Jennifer Grey from the um, uh, Dirty Dancing era, and and maybe with some battles with like Elizabeth Shue or somebody like that. And then it becomes um, Julia Roberts. Uh, who then gives way to Meg Ryan, who gives way to Sandra Bullock for a minute, who gives way to Jennifer Aniston, and then it, it, who gives way to probably Meg Ryan, not Meg Ryan, but uh, um, Reese Witherspoon, and then who the hell knows after that. So two questions. Number one, was Dolly Parton at any point America's sweetheart? And if not, what were we thinking? And number two, who is America's sweetheart today? Well, I think the answer to question number one is um, against what you just said to where America's sweetheart changes from, you know, every three or four years. 
Dolly's always been America's sweetheart. Maybe so. I think that's entirely possible. I mean, she's Dolly Parton. She has endured, hasn't she? She's endured. I mean, she has her own amusement park. Yeah. I mean, she, you know, the people go vacate, you know, uh, where that is down in Dollywood, you know, Pigeon Forge Pigeon and Gatlinburg. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole thing there. I mean, she's won so many awards. I mean, and, and she's one of those people that's so iconic. She can kind of go away for five years and when she decides... I know when we decide, when she decides, hey, I'm ready to pop back up. I'm back. Hey, I'm back. I'm, I'm, back. I'm, I'm Hannah Montana's Aunt Dolly. Yeah, everybody, everybody's like, welcome back, Dolly. Yeah. Give me a hug. Yeah, yeah that's probably right. And there's a couple different reasons you want to hug her, but one of them is you want to <laughs> welcome her back. But yeah, but she is just a lovable person. Just, yeah. a, just a fantastic. I, I think she's always been an, an America's sweetheart. I think that's right. And then as far as now, who is America's sweetheart? That's a tough question. I mean, you know, obviously Jennifer Lawrence has had a good run. I, th- I, th- I think it's probably Jennifer but, Lawrence. But, but I don't, Stone. but. Or who? Emma Stone. Well, it could be any of the number of the Emmas. Yeah. Emma Stone, but then I also... and I, She I, has played a lot of badass roles, which kind of takes you out of the sweetheart role. Right. Who, Jennifer Lawrence? Uh, uh, Emma Stone. Real same there. And I know... I, I think I like even Amy Adams, too. Yeah, and I know she's played like a lot of tougher, you know, kind of harder roles lately, but she's also like a very sweet, kind of nice yeah, person. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, you know, so I, I, you know, I mean, it's a good question, and it's like, but does America need a sweetheart? Well, I think we're different now. Like, I I think it's totally different. We're so fragmented in the way we consume entertainment, right? Like, in the early 80s, we had movies and we had pop radio or whatever, and that was about it. Now we can find whatever we want, wherever we want. And And I was trying to think about this, thinking about it over the last 10 years, and it was much harder to consider, like, who would you cast as America's sweetheart? Like, maybe Taylor Swift was for a minute five years ago, but... You know, in there, it's kind of hard to pick that out. Well, but you, you, you know, you can take it both ways, right? It's like who's like America's, like you know, I don't know what the male equivalent is, right? Sexiest man alive. Sexiest man alive, right? Yeah, they do a whole magazine about it every year. And the funny thing is, it's like if you really had to say it right now, where we're at, what two, three weeks after the Oscars? I mean, I think you say like you know, it's Bradley Cooper, Bradley Cooper and Cooper Lady Gaga. Or, yeah, right. I mean, right. that's America's sweetheart I mean, and America's sexy sweetheart. Maybe so. Maybe, maybe that's because we're riding on the point. tails on this. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, you know I mean, so. and, and I, how long will that last? Who knows? That's right. It's it's always going to change. But it's always going to change. It's always going to evolve. And but that's what makes Dolly so unique is that she's she has endured in terms of her persona and her um, reception by by fans and by and by critics too. Really, because right. because everybody who knows music knows Dolly has chops. Do you know anybody that, like, doesn't like her? No. No, I know people who probably don't know much about her and might write her off as just this big, big bosomed, blonde country star, but I don't know anybody who really is a thinking person who doesn't like Dolly Parton. Right, right. And that that's the thing. It's kind of like, you know, nobody can give you a reason that they don't like her other than their ignorance about her. Correct. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's uh, that, uh, that is interesting. And, and one more thing about the these... Um, actors and actresses movie roles is we almost had kind of a reprise of this movie on several different occasions Mm -hmm. because you know Daddy Coleman was in on Golden Pond yep but then and when they remade the Beverly Hillbillies yes in 1993 you had Mr. he was in it he was playing Mr. Drysdale and Lily Tomlin was in it too right and she was playing Miss Hathaway which if you don't know the Beverly Hillbillies are the bankers yep you know and the the banker and the banker secretary which once again Daddy Coleman is the boss again yeah playing the boss guy and and kind of a jerk of a guy smarmy role but then Dolly Parton also makes a cameo now Uh she plays herself yeah but we had three of the four that that, that showed up in Beverly Hillbillies in 93 I don't think you can underestimate or understate is probably the better word how good of a cast you really had especially considering it was Dolly's premiere 
Yes, this is what introduced her to the world. This was her, not introduced her to the world. Right, but that for was the her theatrical first film debut. Right. And, you know, she went on to do some, some you know, nice, fine uh, work uh, in film. Um, she did... Uh, uh, Russell Texas. Texas. Rhinestone, Steel Magnolias, yep. Straight Talk. I mean, she she had a nice film career. I mean, yeah. it's not elite. It's not it's not Oscar-worthy in all those roles, but it's entertaining every time. Well, and, and we'll end our Dolly Parton, you know, bow down on this. She did what she wanted to do. <laughs> That's right. She did what she wanted she did, to do. And she did it. She basically did what she, she wanted to do her she, way. She she was the, like, female version of Frank Sinatra. Yes. She did it much. her way. Yes, she did yes. it her way. And she still is. S- still doing it. Still doing it. And, and so let's get us back to the, to wrap this movie up here real quick. Because I, I think the last kind of, like, third act... Is hilarious. Yes, is it's classic. really funny. So, so the next day after the whole stealing the corpse, taking the corpse back, the the three women are in the bathroom, the women's ladies' room, right, thinking that they're by themselves. But the the executive secretary's hiding. She's hiding. She's got her feet up on the toilet seat, like she's writing notes, notes on the toilet about paper. What talking about, and they essentially go through what happened the night before. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I, you know, the violent thought she poisoned somebody. They stole a corpse. Blah blah blah. And uh, that was my one blah, blah, blah. I try to get in every show. <laughs> and uh, Check. And so the executive assistant goes to, to Mr. Hart and, and tells him everything. Mm-hmm. And he's, of course, livid. Now, one thing that we haven't mentioned this whole time is that Mr. Hart had sent his wife away, whose wife's extremely naive, thinks he's like the greatest guy ever, but he had sent her away on this week-long vacation. Right, right. So she'd been gone for a while. And uh, Mr. Hart calls uh, Dora Lee into his office and it's like, I know everything. Right. I know what you guys... I know what you did. I know where you guys have been. I know you yep. tried to poison me. I know you stole a corpse. Yep. You guys are all going to jail unless you come spend the night with me at my house tonight. hmm And, of course, she wouldn't have anything to do with that. And here's, once again, I, 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 I am so impressed by the, the writing in this movie, is now they go back, all the fantasies that they had while they were stoned... Mm-hmm. The act, they all come to life. They all come, come to, life. to life. Dora Lee first hog ties Hart. When he like is proposing and like to, for her uh-huh. to come over, she gets all mad and hog ties him with like the telephone cord because he's gonna. He, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah, gonna yeah, make yeah, a yeah. telephone call. I'm gonna call the cops and she rips it out of the wall. Right. He goes to another phone. She rips it out of the wall and then hog ties him with the telephone cord. Right. And then she leaves and then Judy comes in and it's Dora Lee gives Judy the gun. Watch him. I'm gonna go get Violet. And somehow he talks Judy into like loosening letting up, him his, letting him go. And then when he tries to escape, Judy fires a couple shots. So she shoots at him horribly. So through the yeah. glass yeah. door. And then and then I think that's when Violet comes in and like somehow poisons him and decides we need to kidnap him. Yep. <laughs> and somehow like in 1980, I don't know where you would get all of this gear in 19 or in 2019, but in 1980, where do you get all of this like? S&M situation where you just tie this guy up and you can chain him up to the uh, garage door because that's what they do. And they, it's yeah. like got this bodysuit with chains and uh I loved it whenever they would hit the and, garage door opener yeah, and like lift up. up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they've got it they've got him trapped in this in this garage basically. I mean, well no it's in his bedroom. Or his bedroom, yeah. Yeah, because they, they're they, trying to figure out, you know, what do we do? And they figure out, hey, if we can find a way to him to to find him guilty of something where we can blackmail him, he'll have to drop the charges against us. Right, right. And so they start doing all this like research to try to find a way and, and they they find this like accounting book at his house where they can tell he's been embezzling. Yes. Things. And so the problem is, is that they need invoices from the mm-hmm. company, and it's going to take like a couple days 
to get it. So yeah, so they kind of tie him tie up, him and, up, you know, at, at his own house. And, and, while right, and, that, and that skill with the um, garage door opener that Lily Tomlin has works out well when she installs it in his bedroom. Yeah, and, and or maybe it was already there. We don't know. We didn't see her actually. Well, so maybe he's freakier than we thought. You don't know. You don't know. And and it's funny because at one point, um, and they're taking turns watching him, and, and Judy, Jane Fonda's character is there one night watching him, and her ex-husband shows up. Right. And and she, there's, like, noise upstairs where he's trying to escape, and she has to go upstairs, and eventually he comes up, and he's Well, the ex-husband shows up, and he's trying to seduce her. He's, like, trying yeah. to get her back, and he's trying to hook up, and, and so then he follows her upstairs, and he hears these noises, and... And then he sees Dabney Coleman like hanging like, from the rafters, and he's like, "Oh, you're in the S and M now. Yeah. You were such an innocent, sweet little girl." And she just goes off on him, and was like, "You left me for your secretary. I can do whatever you want. I, you know, it's right. my boss." Like you know, anyway, it's kind of another funny little like mm-hmm. you know, thirty second, one minute long dialogue. But but the, the where where this kind of scene kind of comes to like a climax is the wife actually comes home early. She shows up early. Right. Shows up early vacation. from vacation, but none of the three women know this. Mm-hmm. And they find out like three days later that she's been back. And, and I think Dora Lee's on the phone with her, right? She calls the office or something. And well, Dora yeah, because Dora Lee could forge Mr. Hart's signature. Yes. So she'd been doing all kinds of stuff to improve the office and sign in his name. She'd sent uh, the wife some flowers. Uh-huh. And, and even the wife even admitted, I know you sent them Dora Lee, but that right. was very sweet of you. But, um, but then they realized that she came back and had been to the house. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Oh crap! He's probably had time to cover up his, you know, his, his his embezzlement, which is exactly what happened." Right. And and they can you know go back to the house, and next thing you know, he's got Dolly's gun again, which goes back to the beginning. This mm-hmm. gun coming in out of nowhere, and right. it's been a part of this movie the whole time. And Dabney Coleman, Mr. Hart, takes I believe he takes Judy and Dora Lee back to the office at gunpoint. Mm-hmm. And as they're coming through the office, the office is completely different. Repainted, you know, everybody's happy. You know, uh, there was a, a mom that had some childcare issue who'd gotten fired and she's back. And it's, it's you know, they've instituted a, a flexible work schedule where you're, you can do your eight hours. If you need to come in at five in the morning, you can do that. They did they, job totally, sharing. Yes, they the totally turned they had, it around. They had a nursery. Yep. They had a yep. nursery. And, very and, progressive. And, and very progressive for and 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 he's and Mr. Hart's just mad because he's like I would have never approved these things. This is crazy. This, I would have never done this. You ladies are nuts. You all are going to jail and all that kind of stuff. And then they they get Violet kind of into the kind of the circle too. And then all of a sudden, guess who shows up? Well, Mr. Tinsworthy's going to make a surprise visit to the office. And Mr. Tinsworthy's the chairman of the board. Like he's the big guy, and he is. Uh, a larger-than-life character in this movie. He's got this sort of uh, Southern Colonel look to him. He's all, uh, all I, well, I don't think it's a Southern Colonel look. I think it's a complete Colonel Sanders look. Well, it is. It is. Yeah. He's got so the, here, here's the here's my funny Colonel Sanders story. Okay. And you know, those of you that don't know, we're based in Louisville, Kentucky. You know, home of Kentucky Fried Chicken, and mm-hmm. you know, Colonel Sanders is very popular here. Yes. Yes. And and he does Tinsworthy looks just like Colonel Sanders mm-hmm. in this movie. So. Colonel Sanders is buried in this real famous cemetery called Cave Hill Cemetery. Muhammad Ali is also born there. George Roger Clark. A lot of people, mm-hmm. famous people, buried there. And I just happened to be over there the other day. Yeah. And um, we drove by the Colonel Sanders monument, which I've been by it a zillion times. And it was the middle of the day, and there are these four guys out there. And in, 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 in his tombstone, it's actually, it's, it's, it's like, I don't know, like six foot wide, eight foot tall, and there's like a... a, a 
like his head. Yeah, a bust or something. A bust or something. And they were actually videotaping themselves. Number one, they all had KFC cups, like mm-hmm. they had just been to KFC, and they're all dancing around as, <laughs> as Tombstone filming it. But it was just very interesting that apparently people come to look at Colonel Sanders' Tombstone, fresh from coming from KFC, and do little skits in front of it. That's very, very interesting. Here, here's and another- I just stood there and looked at it for a second going, he still is the only one that knows the recipe. <laughs> You're not going to get it that way. <laughs> you know, here's here's another funny here's another funny um, Colonel Sanders story. Maybe not even Colonel Sanders, but KFC story. Um, I uh, many years ago dressed as Colonel Sanders um, for a Halloween costume. Uh-huh. Had a white suit, and I had a goatee at the time. Got it white, hair white, all that stuff. I needed one extra prop, and uh, so I drove through a drive-through at a KFC. Oh. And uh, they asked, and I didn't even go, I didn't even place an order. I just went to the window and they looked at me and I was like, I said, all I want is a bucket. They're like, what? I'm like, I just need a bucket. Can you please give me an empty bucket? No chicken, nothing. I'm like, oh yeah, we'll give you the bucket. Oh, I yeah, got a bucket course. and moved on. Of course. Uh, yeah, he's, he's so iconic. And, and I mean, he, it, it is, and if you think 1980s, Colonel Sanders was everywhere. It was, it was, uh, a, yeah. I mean, he's everywhere now. There's a robot Colonel Sanders. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it was, was, a, it was a big Colonel franchise. Sanders. And so the guy that played uh, Tinsworthy, the Colonel Sanders-looking mm-hmm. character, was Sterling Hayden. Now, he's, he uh, has an interesting other role. Do you know his most famous role, maybe? I don't. They made it, when I was doing my research on this, it, it, everything made it sound like he was like Charlton Heston, which ironically, both Charlton Heston, Heston and Gregory and Peck, Peck turned down this role. This. Yeah. His but most favorite, famous role is Captain McCluskey in The Godfather, the cop that roughs up Michael. Really? Yep. He played I never that put one on one together yep, on that's that him. one. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah, McCluskey was a jerk. <laughs> he was. He, uh, he got his. He got, he got his. his. <laughs> he got his in Little Italy. Anyway, so Colonel Sanders, I mean uh, Timsworthy, the chairman, shows up out of nowhere. Hadn't been in the whole movie, and he wants to talk to to, to Mister Hart and praise him because what are they increased uh, efficiency the, 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 by the efficiency production by twenty percent? Yeah, it's a massive yeah. amount. Yeah, and wants to just say you've done such a great job. And of course, Hart knows nothing of this of like what the actual changes are because the the women have been doing it while mm-hmm. they had him, you know, tied up at his own house, and. You know, going around and, and, and Hart's kind of blushing and, you know, I don't know what to do. And he has to actually have Violet explain things and give the tour of, like, the nursery and all those types of things. And and it's kind of funny because you think that, that Timsworthy is, you know, really impressed and it seems like he is. But it gets to the point to where he's like, you know, I want I, I need you to be my right-hand man. I need you by my side. I need men like you. Massive promotion. Massive promotion to Brazil. Brazil. That's <laughs> to right. Brazil. <laughs> And, you know, Hart's not real happy about it. He's not happy about it. Sidebar, quickly. Do you know, we did Rocky Three in the last episode. Do you know that Brazilians love Rocky? That's what I learned in some of the social media stuff. Brazil, they love Rocky. Anyway. Well, they also love 12 Monkeys because didn't they make a 12 Monkeys uh, Yes, they did. Maybe about three yes, years ago, two did. years ago? Yeah. They did, yes. Yeah, yeah. I had tons of Brazilian hits in the Instagram uh, post about Rocky. And, and so essentially, you know, once he gets uh, promoted and sent down to Brazil – the movie ends, and but then we get you. You all have heard me complain a lot about the beginning of movies and there being a bunch of words on the screen, and I got to read when I just want to watch the movie. I'm glad you're going here. I'm really but, glad but you're going here. But at the end of this movie, you get the 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 epilogue. Is, is that the epilogue where you see here's the character and here's what's going to happen yes, next? What happens to this character after the movie ends? I, I love it. it. I love I it love every time that. I watch every it. Every time I watch it, I love it. I mean, I it's like I don't want to read it at the beginning of the movie. 
But I love reading. I want to know what happens to him after after the end. Well, so what happens to these people? Do you remember? Um, I, I don't. I'm, Dolly right, becomes so, a country so, western star. Well, of course, Dolly becomes a country. She yes. quits and becomes a country western star. Uh, Violet ends up getting promoted. She's takes a starts job, yeah. and Judy manages the Xerox guy. Oh, or, that's not right. manages. I'm sorry. Meets and falls in Meet love, love with the Mary, Xerox guy. And marries yeah, the Xerox she gets guy. And then the best one though is, is Mr. Hart is abducted by Amazons yes. in the Brazilian jungle and is never, never heard, heard from, from again. again. Yeah. Movie over. It's, it's really good. It's it's we need more movies ending with good epilogues like that. It's just yeah, a, it's, it's love really it. good. Love it. You don't get an epilogue at Rocky. No, you, you don't. You know why? You don't need one. So if they were going to do a sequel, well, because they always do sequels. But, it, it, I mean, it, it, you knew you're never going to get Mr. Hart again in this movie if you ever did a sequel. Right. Well, I mean, unless, like, Michael Douglas rescued him during... Uh, Romancing the Stone? Romancing the Stone. Yeah. yeah or something possible. like that. Yeah, that's, that's possible. possible. That's like, possible. Yeah, let's do a crossover. And, 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 I, and I, it probably would have worked, too. And so, I mean, overall, I, I really enjoyed this movie. I did, too. I thought this movie held up amazingly. It, it's one that... Um, I mean, the cars, the outfits, the hairstyles, the culture, mm-hmm. completely 1980s. But the story, the plot, the characters were strong. It, it is. It's a great movie. It is a... It really does stand the test of time. And so many comedies that you watch... Comedies are the hardest thing to stand the test of time. Dramas can do it effectively all the time. But comedies are hard. Like, go back and rewatch some of the great comedies of your childhood, and you might not like them as much. You mean like Brewster's Millions? I mean, maybe. <laughs> But but I mean but but it's it's so is this a is this a laugh out loud comedy no or is it just funny has just a funny thread woven all it's, the way through yes it's just it's comical it's funny you might chuckle a lot you might laugh out loud once or twice it's not I mean my eyes never watered no not at all no yeah. but but it's very very entertaining and it's yeah. it's there's a lot it's of not, classic, it, yeah it's not like tropical thunder like in that regard right but there are a lot of classical comedy tropes like. I would say I would I would put it on par with um, like a show like Frasier, which was not laugh out loud funny, but used a ton of classic comedy tropes, and was pretty entertaining. Well, but here's the thing too about a lot of those movies and Tropic Thunder is one of them that kind of is like makes you cry, laugh out loud, funny. Is typically they they only run like ninety minutes and they can't even sustain that. Right. After about the first forty five minutes. The jokes are over. You're not laughing out loud. And you're like, yeah, not quite as funny. And you're like, and there's like, sometimes just prisoners of the moment. And and 10, 12, 15, 20 years out, they're not funny because the jokes don't resonate. Yeah. But this idea, this is framed as gender struggle within the workplace. That still resonates today. And even if it's not a gender thing, workplace struggle still resonates today, right? So. The theme resonates, and the comedy is just rock solid. Yeah, no, I I really enjoyed this movie, and and I almost kind of you know wish I wish would have watched it a little bit more over the years. Yeah, um, and and you know, and and, and you know, I'm, I, but maybe not. Maybe it's one of those if you watch too many times, it kind of starts to get stale. But you know, overall, Dolly was great. Yes, Danny Coleman well, was great. Well, so I think about this. Well, I've Tom asked this question great. before. Whose movie is this? It's Dolly's. Oh, it's totally it's Dolly's, Dolly's movie. movie, right? Like she was third billing, but it's her movie. Well, and that's why going back to the beginning of of, of the podcast, I, I said you know the genesis of this came from Jane Fonda, but mm-hmm. most people associate this as a Dolly movie. Right, that's right. Yeah, and I don't think Jane Fonda minds. 
No. Not like she doesn't have like her own like stuff she can She's put in against. Fine. She's done fine. Um, but no, this is a, a total Dolly movie. Dolly stole it. Dolly owned it. Um, and rightfully so. Yeah. And, 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 and are we going to rename our podcast the Dolly Parton podcast? No, but no, but we do love Dolly. Yeah. No, it was good. Um, you know, but the question is, it's like, would you watch it again soon? How soon would you watch it again? Um, I don't really want to watch it next weekend or anything, but it it is one that I'd like to not go, you know, 30 years in between viewings because it is good. I'd like to watch it with my kids. I think they'd like it. And, um, you know. I'd watch it again. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of in the same boat. It's like I, I don't need to watch it, you know, next week or next year even. Um, I would like to see it a few more times. I think it's one of those that like might be fun to watch with my parents again. Yeah, sure. Because it's that. like when the last time when's the last time they saw it, or or you know maybe somebody that hasn't seen it mm-hmm. ever before. Uh, you know, it's not going to be like hey, we watch it every like you know holiday type movie, but it was just it was really enjoyable. Yeah, I totally agree. Here's a fun fact about this movie. Um, I don't know if you know this. When this movie was made, the initial desire was to release it in theaters on the same day that it was released on VHS. Yeah, there was a total up. up it was up a massive yeah, was, people were mad beat down. It. Yes, yeah. and and the studio just totally threw their hands down on that and. You know, well, so, when, when I when I because I saw that same like tidbit and I was like there there's VHS in 1980 already right and, and who was going to go buy that right like I, that was like four I was like, years I would have bought it was a, I would have bought a Betamax yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's four years before we got our first VCR yeah. whatever man VCR probably cost like seven hundred dollars yeah. back then <laughs> <laughs> Mr Hart was the only guy that could afford a VCR. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, no, but it's a great movie. What grade would you give it? Um. Man, that's tough. You know, I I don't know if I would quite give it an A minus. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and just because I don't know if I'll ever give, I don't know if there's any comedy I'll ever give an A to. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of res- A's kind of reserved for like I cannot get up out of my chair. Yeah, type movie. Right. And I and I did get up out of my chair a few times on this one. Um, I mean, did you know that this was like the like the seventy fourth? Like best comedy in the I history did see by that. the American Film I did Institute. see that. Yeah, it's it's prob- that's just probably fair actually. Twentieth highest grossing comedy of all time. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not a slouch movie. It kind of gets like buried under the covers. But from a grade standpoint, you know, I I I I, I want to find a comedy I would actually give an A to. I I'll give it a B plus. Okay, I'm gonna go A minus, and here's why. I did not expect to like this movie as much as I did, and dropping it in and watching it. And uh, going through the whole process, like we've talked about, the acting is fantastic. The writing is spectacular, neat, tidy, not overly long. The jokes don't get stale. We rely on a lot of comic tropes in this movie, but it still works. And uh, I think if you can take a movie from that long ago and watch it today and still be entertained, I think you have to – that takes a lot, and that's – so I'm going to give it an A minus. Well, you know what, Jim? I, I might I might do something bold here. All right. And because there's a lot of things in my head that says don't give it an A minus, Nate. Don't give it an A minus because it's just you know it's outdated, not from script plot, but right. like what I was talking about, like you know hair, clothes, that type of stuff. But you know, I think you might be right on this one. I think the script, the story, the acting, the theme song. And we didn't spend a lot of time on it because it's like we try not to do this type of thing. But it does have a very compelling and interesting and good social message right. as the, well. The social message is very I, You powerful. know what, Jim? I will give it an A-. All right. A-. I will give it, it an A-. 
is that movie still good approved? A minus. A minus. A minus. Yeah, and we, we don't get a lot of A movies around here. No, no. No, if you if you haven't seen it or you haven't seen it in a long time, it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's thoroughly enjoyable. Very good. All right, so do you have anything else on this one? I, I, do uh, I don't, but I do have a few other things just in general. Okay, well, let's do it. Let's let's do some housekeeping and let's let's do it. Well, so here we are. I think we've done um, 11 episodes if we count our Oscar episode. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, up next is our season one finale. Right. Which I think we've talked about before, just uh, to prepare you. We're not going to actually cover a movie. Right. It's going to be kind of a season recap. We've got the Max Katie Challenge. We're going to reveal the results of the Oscar competition. We might bring in some guests. We might have a guest or two. Um, we, we have some faithful listeners. We might have come in a uh, call-in that That's aren't right. local. That's right. We might We're still trying to coordinate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we got four or five big sponsors lined up. Yeah, that's right. Uh, consolidated, <laughs> yeah. they're still writing checks. Um, I think we might have a UFC match somewhere in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. You know, so blood and gore. If you like that, um, make you laugh. We'll make you cry. We'll make you want more. That's exactly right. Because season two is right around the corner. It's not far. Yeah. So stay tuned. The next one's going to be fun. A little different, but mm-hmm. fun. But fun for sure. Um, so anyway, thanks again for listening. Uh, make sure that you download, rate, review, subscribe. This movie has been super fun to watch and talk about. Much more fun, I think, than either Nate or I thought it would be. Um, thanks again, and we'll see you soon for the season finale of Is That Movie Still Good? <laughs>